What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Whitetail Bloodline Podcast. I'm your host, Gavin Sodders. This is episode 96, and I got a, another good one for you on this one. I got my buddy Mike on this one. Uh, what's going on, Mike? Hey, what's up? I mean, th- thank you for having me. You know, it's definitely a pleasure. Yes, sir. I can say I was on your podcast, and uh, we talk all the time, and we finally made the time to do this. It's always nice talking to a fellow podcaster host, you know. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. And, you know, we, we talked a little bit on uh, on mine about it. It's now I get to sit back and, you know, do most of do, do some talking and, you know, it, it's always less stress, you know, on the uh, on the host when, you know, someone comes on and they kind of know what they're doing because they do a podcast. Yep, 100 percent, 100 percent. So uh, for people who don't know who you are, let's just start off with that kind of a little background on just who you are and like uh, what you're doing. Yeah. Um, so I'm Mike Nitre. Um, I'm from New Jersey. You know, I've been bow hunting in New Jersey for the last uh, 13 or 14 years. Um, so, you know, that that's where my experience been up in Maine, upstate New York, like places like that. No one in the Midwest yet, but I hope to change that. Um, really? But I, you haven't been in the Midwest? I didn't realize that. No, no, not at all. Um, because early life, um, I was doing a lot. I played hockey my whole entire life. So I grew up playing hockey and those two times of the season, they, they, they clash with each other. Um, so I had to take hockey seriously, but, um, now that, you know, hockey hasn't been in the picture for a while, I picked up hunting, um, well, picked up bow hunting first one in my family to bow hunt, but, um, I created a page boondocks hunting. Um, so I'm running a Instagram page, um, and then also we have YouTube, um, TikTok, things like that. But our main thing is our podcast called the Garden State Outdoorsman Podcast. Um, so I've been doing that for three years now. Exactly. I put two and two together. The Garden State, I'm guessing that's like what they call your state. Yeah, yeah. The uh, New Jersey is known as, as the Garden State, believe it or not, which is always like I've, I've always questioned that. Why <laughs> do that? Um, because to me, it's not really... You, you don't think of it as a garden state, you know what I mean? That's not the first thing you think of when you talk about New Jersey. Yeah, we say Indiana is the crossroads of America. It makes sense because it's pretty hard to go around Indiana if you're going throughout most of the country. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, heck yeah, man. Uh, so, when did you start bow hunting? You said you've been doing it for about 14 years old, or 14 years. Like, how old were you when you started? I think 18 or 19. Because ev- everyone in my family gun hunted. Like, everyone up in Maine, you know, they – they gun hunting my uncles, my cousin, my grandpa, you know, shotguns and rifles type type of hunting, you know. Mm-hmm. And I grew I always grew up around it, but because of hockey, like and I played hockey at a really high level, so like I was traveling all over the place for it. Um so I, I didn't get to experience what I'm experiencing now. I wish I wish I did, but I, I wouldn't change it also because like that was my passion at the time. Um but I mean, my family, yeah, they, they grew up hunting, you know, we'd spend a lot of time, um, I think the last 50 years camping up by Moosehead Lake up in, uh, Maine. And I mean, it's probably about 10, 10 hours from my house, 10 to 12, but middle of nowhere, dirt roads, the closest place town, if you want to call it a town is like 45 minutes. Um, you know, one of those places, no cell service, no, no, nothing. You're just completely off grid basically at that point yeah for sure yeah man one reason i'm excited to do this podcast it's kind of gonna be more of like a bs session just because i already know you pretty well and you you're also a podcast host so it'll be easy just to kind of talk to you and that's one thing i kind of want to start off we've been doing it around the same time when did you like drop your first episode i want to we put out a trailer episode april 26 something um 2021 2001 the first year of covid uh, yeah. 2020 i believe that yeah um and that's a big reason why like i was still working i work in the psychiatric field and medical field um so i work in a hospital with children but i was still going to work but i was like you know what there, there's podcasts we're starting to hit off and I was like, you know, let's, there's no New Jersey podcast for hunting, for fishing, you know, anything in that matter. So, like, let's do this. Like, let's give it a shot. Why not? And, you know, three years later, 
over a hundred episodes. I mean, I, I absolutely love it. It's a grind, but I love it. Yep. It definitely is a grind. I had the similar thing, man. Like me and you, we got into it at a good time. Cause like now even 2023, there's so many podcasts out there now, but when we were doing it, I mean, there was still a good amount, but nothing like there is now. So I was actually at a buddy's house, got off work, went, helped him build a deck. My buddy Parker from Swamp Bros, give him a shout out. And we were kind of just talking about that. Like, I'm glad I got into it when I did. Cause I'm right there at about a hundred episodes as well. And it's, it is a grind, man. It's just like, I love it too. But in Indiana, you just don't ever, for being a Midwest state, you don't ever hear anybody on podcasts or even like TV shows much. There's a few people, but that's one reason I started my podcast. I was like, Indiana is a sleeper state. I was like, there's got to be a podcast to like kind of tell about it, you know? I, exactly. You know, and it's basically what, you know, here, it, New Jersey's not Indiana. It's not any Midwest state. We haven't, you know, you, you've seen it. You've seen some of the deer that, that we're going to be chasing and everything like that. But we, I tell people we have kind of a good mix of everything. First of all, my favorite part is I can hunt from September to mid-February for deer. Yeah, um, yeah that's wild. I, I absolutely love that. Then you have, you know, we finally got our bear season back. So you can hunt bear. You know, we have turkey. Um, you know, waterfowl is great here, too, as well. You know, and then you look at the fishing, you know, we have trout, bass, you know, catfish, um, snapping turtles, um, you know, they have, I believe, muskies, every, like every, we have a good mix. Yeah. Um, And then, of course, the stripers, you know, we're right by the ocean, too. So you could go to the ocean and you can go shark fishing, striper fishing, flute, you know, all that great stuff. We kind of have a good mix of everything, you know, and I I do love that about New Jersey. That's why we rep Jersey so hard because, you know, at the end of the day, we have a lot of opportunities. I won't say we have the, we don't have by far the biggest deer, Mm -hmm. but, and that's kind of, I I believe the state's issue. Um, You know, our state really is trying to get rid of deer and, you know, which of course, you know, doesn't help us growing bigger deer. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I lived in Virginia, and it was kind of like that. You got, like, three buck tags, and when we moved there, it was, like, eight or more tags. You could buy extra tags, I feel like, and they were the same way. They were just trying to, like, I wouldn't even use the word eradicate, but basically they were just trying to take out a, a bunch of them. Yeah, yeah, exactly what it's like here. It's crazy, and they just introduced some new law proposals, which, you know, is going to take away some of, like, one of my zones is the antler restriction zone. So it has to have three points on one side. Mm-hmm. And the difference between that zone and when I go maybe five minutes down the road, 10 minutes down the road to an antler uh, that that doesn't have antler restriction, it's night and day. I mean, really? day. like it's not even close. You know, I last year on this land, I killed what? Like, a, you know, for a stud, big body, you know, he weighed like 179 after field dress and close wow 115 close in between that like 115 120 mark i think mm-hmm. just under 120 right and he wasn't my biggest antler deer but he was by far one of my bigger body deer he was probably in the top two or three for for bodies and yeah you know, it's i'm chasing like you're, you're chasing like five or six decent shooters anywhere between 115 to 130 and 140 yeah Honestly, like, I I don't think Jersey ever crossed my mind with whitetails until I started talking to all you boys. And then getting pictures sent and seeing what you guys are posting. I'm like, all right, Jersey is kind of like a, a little sleeper state I would have never thought about, you know? Yeah, no, it, it's it, – you, you, you see that a lot of hunters – and listen, I, don't get me wrong. Like, I, I completely get it. If you don't have the time, if you're a new hunter, you got to – you know, I get it. Kill whatever you need to do, you know? But if you're that, to me, if you're an experienced hunter that you're going out at least three, four times a week, you know, where you can pass up some smaller deer, you know, it it does benefit in the long run. And I think, and, you know, Andrew and I have talked about this a lot, um, is it it would benefit the state because then you kind of put the state on the map and more hunters would want to float to New Jersey to hunt because there's advertises bigger deer here more people shoot bigger deer here they're gonna be they're gonna get more hunters yep more more hunters more money for the state you know yep exactly yep that that's what i like so um what compared to like the other guys how much private and like public are you hunting 
or are you hunting public? Um, yes. Yeah, I'm a big public hunter. Um, the last four years I've, I've hunted private and I still, my hunts from public to private were not even close. I mean, it was probably four to one with public spots because I have such big deer. Why do I need to go to private to chase deer of the same size, honestly, or maybe even a little smaller? You know, um, what I like about private of the years in the past was there was no pressure. I didn't have to worry. It was like our little thing. So you get to treat it kind of in a, you you treat it in a different way. You know, when your public spots start getting pushed for gun season and, you know, pheasant season and all these things, it changes the deer pattern like crazy, unless you can find that hidden spot that you don't get any of that or where the hunters are going to push towards you, which Mm -hmm. I do have. Um, I I do have spots like that, but um, this year going into this season is, is a bit different. You know, I still have my public spots, but the deer on these private spots so far I think I may only have one deer like that if he's still alive that would challenge or rival the deer that are on this new piece. And it's not, you know, it's more Southern. So um, it's, it's a different ball game down there. Yeah. <clears throat> Is that, uh, you're hunting the same properties like Andrew when he was on a live yeah, glass, yeah. right? Yeah. We're all going to be on, on those properties. Yeah, like when he was doing that, it didn't like never in my life would I thought that was Jersey. Like obviously I haven't really ever been there, but it it looked like Indiana to me. Honestly, it rem- reminded me a lot of Indiana, and there were some good bucks, man. Like the the age class and just uh, yeah herd structure that was in that field that you guys could just see. It's pretty nuts. So kind of talk about that property a little bit. Um, it, it's definitely the the Midwest type of property. I mean. I'm used to hunting up close and personal. I love those chip shots. Mm-hmm. This is a property that is not, I, I hope we can get a chip shot. Like, but that's where we're going to have to really probably extend our range. And we're going to have to play the system a lot better. You know, it goes, all the neighbors hunt, you know, so you got bean fields, things like that. Um, standing corn. It's, it's a property that, how do I really, your, your typical Midwest type of, type mm-hmm. of property, you know. Because um, it wasn't know. like huge chunks of trees, right? You got a lot of ag and then like your smaller yeah. little tree tree groups, I guess you could say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And But the, the key on this, and I believe Andrew was talking about this, are the drainage ditches, which mm-hmm. these damn deer just disappear, but they feel very comfortable in. And, you know, a couple of properties, you know, and I haven't been, had as much time to scout our property. You know, big thanks to the guys that they've been able to do such a great job and everything like that um, is scouting. You know, what it seems like is these deer feel really safe and secure and they're moving all over the property. And, of course, they're using the drain ditches. There's a beautiful river bed that's in there that. I know that they use and come rut time, I, I think it's going to be a key on, you know, we're, we're really setting the stages and planning and we've been planning of, we're looking at the maps, we're getting our, okay, this is where we're going to be hunting early season. This is where we think it's going to heat up. And during the rut and everything like this, we need to get a camera there, you know, mid October, we're going to have to really key on certain areas, you know, um, just because of how transition is going to be too you know, from, from the wood lines out into those fields and just the, the doe rate. I mean, there's does all over the place as well. Yeah. I'm saying it is pretty wild because you, you can't really even see those drainages. Like for the average person, if they're just driving by from, uh, as far as I could tell from like just talking to you guys and like watching a little bit of, I have a videos and stuff. It's like, it's kind of hidden. Like he, he, he was trying to explain to me where it was and I was like, yeah, I can see why they're, they're hiding in there. And we got some of them drainages around here. We got a lot of topography in ag land here in southern indiana and i know those deer will walk down on like a highway they'll follow like even going from like woodlot to woodlot sometimes just because they're they're unseen yeah no it, it, it's it's wild and as me too like i'm so used to hunting northern jersey like i said it's a lot of woods a lot of swamps like thick thick nasty stuff and that's where i've kind of excelled uh, i guess if you want to say i'm not and not to my own nose but have adapted 
mm-hmm. to, to say the least. This is a whole new ball game for me. Like I told you, I've never hunted the Midwest. So this is a great test for me. And I get to get out the kinks out now before I do go out to the Midwest, which I hope I can make happen this year. But if I don't, then it'll definitely be next year. But my girlfriend and I, we went out glassing. And we get there. And they're there. The big boys, they're there. And we get 15 minutes of glassing and they move into one of the drainage ditch, disappeared, gone. Didn't see them for the rest of the, didn't see them for the rest of the time. Huh. And it was just like my my girlfriend, she's like, Are you serious? Like it looks so like flat. You can barely tell that it goes so deep. And they're just able to whether they bedded down or took the drainage ditch all the way back down to the woods. I don't know, but it's a real safe, secure spot. It's something to key on if you have that in your, you know, your landscape. Yep. And so, if, so if you're looking at that drainage ditch, like you're standing on the side of it, looking down, is it like got water in it? Is it just brushy? What does it like actually look like? I I don't think it has water in it. Because um, I know Andrew talked about in uh, when I was talking to him, I I think you might have talked about it too. You guys are kind of like trying not to go in there, right? Yeah, like we're trying to be backed out as possible, not really push these deer around. If anyone's going to be pushing the deer around, it's going to be the neighbors. Like the neighbors pushed those bucks out into onto our property, you know, and they went from the field that they're in, the, the ag field that they're in, and pushed right into the cornfield, safe and secure. And we, you know, we're talking, we, we want that. that. That's good for us. You know, so why go in there? We have our cameras set. Really all we're going in there, you know, from, you know, talking to Andrew and stuff, freshen up a lot of mock scrapes, you know, doing the little stuff, hanging a few stands here, um, maybe changing a camera and stuff like that, but not trying to go in too much and overdo do stuff. And that's always been, you know, a key on just my off season as well. It doesn't matter what spot I'm at, whether it's that spot whether it was when I was up north in, in Blairstown or I'm at, you know, my, my public spots, you know, when you're first becoming a hunter or you're a rookie and stuff like that, listen, you think you got to be in there every day, every day, every day, always doing this. You know, now I don't, I don't do that because deer pick up on that, you know, and I can't, I try to be a little strategic and just try to, all right, I hit one spot, then maybe I won't hit that spot for another two weeks. I'll go to another spot and I'll I'll just keep hitting like spots each other time that I'm that I'm going out and giving each time some opportunity to to relax and the pressure and everything like that. And you know, just so the deer can't pick up on me. Yep, yep. There's a lot of studies on that. I couldn't even tell you off the top of my head, just listening to people and listen to podcasts and stuff and it, it i mean it's scientifically proven when you go hunt a tree stand it takes a few days i think it's like three to five on average something like that and sometimes even longer for it to go back fully to like their normal feel safe movement but uh yeah that's proven man that once you hunt a stand it's not going to be as good for a while yeah no i you know i i got this guy um he's older he's retired um and he just took up hunting this year um, and you know, yet again, there's a lot of, he said, there's a lot of old heads that don't want to help, you know, are not willing to, to really show him the rope. So I've actually taken him to like most of my spots. And I said, listen, I'll, I'll show you as long as you don't, you know, t- hunt my spot. I go, yeah. that. you know what I mean? And he, he said, yeah, he goes, I would never do that. And something I'm, I've been telling him is. Man, I got spots that I'm taking you to. I may hunt once, maybe twice, if even that. If things aren't right, I'm not gonna even I'm not gonna even touch that spot. Yep. And there is some spots, man. Like even on this property, you do have some of those almost bulletproof spots for certain winds and stuff where you can get away with hunting it multiple days, but then you got those one stands, like if you're going in there, you better kill that day or you're gonna booger some stuff up, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, a hundred percent. And th- and that's something that you know, with anybody and any property and anything like that, you're going to have spots like that. You are, you know, and it does take time to figure out, but, you know, knowing it early in the summer during the time you, you need to learn it, it is a big vital key to, to killing deer, honestly. Yep. I, I agree with that too. And that's the thing, man, when we're doing these podcasts, or you're talking to people, like everything we talk about situational, like, don't get me wrong. There's some little 
tips and factors that whitetails do just throughout the whole country. But you could go from a property that's 20 minutes away or even 10 minutes away, and the deer will act completely different on certain things. There's more hunting pressure. There's different topography, predators. You know what I mean? There's just so many factors that come into it. And that's why I just like getting all these random guests and asking almost pretty specific questions just because there is those little things that will correlate with other people's property and make you think. Like, I'll be talking to people all the time, and I know my property real well, and I think about stuff all the time. But they'll say, like, little certain things, and it'll just, like, jog my memory to, like, think way more in depth about stuff. And that's the coolest thing about whitetail hunting, man. If you're not still learning every year you're hunting or basically every sit, like, uh, not doing it for the same reasons I am, you know. Oh, agreed. hundred percent agreed. You know, it's no matter what, I don't care how experienced you are. And, you know, you, you hear it on time and time again on so many different podcasts and hunters talking, you're always learning. There's always yeah. something new. Deer are absolutely, and not just deer, animals are just absolutely the best at surviving. You know, they spend their whole entire life, the minute they're born, surviving, you know. Um, so I, I think it's such a key and such a pleasure doing what we do. And, you know, whether you're killing a, a spike or you're shooting a 160, 170, 180 or 200, like there's some, there's always a lesson to be learned. And, you know, every hunt you should, you should learn some type of lesson and make yourself better. Yep. And I think you just got to have your own goals, man. That's like one thing it's kind of hard with social media. And if you follow all these big wigs, these big wigs are big wigs for a reason, man. They've killed a lot of big deer. They've had a lot of experience doing it, a lot of them. And you can't just like, I see these young kids, man, like going in without even killing a 120. And they're like, oh, I'm only going to shoot a 150 this year. I'm like, dude, you've never shot a 120. Like that is, I mean, I'm glad you have big goals and big dreams, but uh, sometimes you just got to make sure you're a little more realistic and have goals that are actually achievable and like don't get me wrong if you don't ever have that goal of killing a 200 inch deer you probably never kill a 200 inch deer but for me don't get me wrong i want to kill a big buck but for but personally it's more about like the mature buck and like the hunt like if i'm going to public land i'm not chasing 160 inch deer that's just not where i'm at right now with what i want to do i'm out there teaching people i'm still learning myself it was my first year hunting public land last year so I think that's important, and that's kind of what I want to talk to you about is, like, what's some of your goals this year, and, and uh, how have your goals changed throughout the year since you started bow hunting about a little over a decade ago? Um, so I'll, I'll start with, with, with my goals for this year. Um, I'm always trying, you know, especially on public. Like, I, I'm a huge public person. You know, of course, I want to kill those giants that we have out in private, and I think I definitely will get a crack at one of them. Um, but you know, when I'm looking at my public spots, you know, I'm always trying to get at least two to three does out, out the way. Um, you know, I love shooting does that's kind of gets me to chase bigger deer, you know, because at the end of the day, it is all about meat, but I do like the bonus of chasing a, a rack that's going to get my heart pumping, you know, and it could be a, a 115 or 120. It could be, you know, a, a buck that's unique that I, I got this one buck that only has on his one side four pointer and on the other, he's, he's, he's a spike. Yeah. And if I ever see that deer, I, I really don't care. Like I would, I would let it fly because he's such a unique deer, you know, um, once I'm done finishing the Intel, I do have some bucks that I'm chasing um, on public that are probably in the one lowest one twenty fives to one to one. 40s um and but, sorry to interrupt but like what's your guys' state record i think one of you guys told me and it kind of surprised me but it makes sense for being where you guys are at i think it's so i think it's one with with a bow i think it's a 147 something right which yeah. is the big reason is and they changed it this year because a lot of people are not putting in because you have to put what county and zone and like all these things so they don't want people going to that because once you put it in you kind of have like an idea of where that deer is oh yeah you know? for sure i know you're um, talking about kentucky does it a lot like yeah that. so they from what i believe they took away that um because at the end of the year it goes we go to the new jersey show um and they all those big deer that get entered and everything like they get hung up and stuff like that. So people are very wary. I know for a fact that I I know people have shot bigger deer than that. Yeah, that's that's kind of the funny thing, man. It's like I wonder what the number is. 
lower than 10% of p- people that actually put in. I bet it's like 3 to 5%, if that high, honestly, because I've killed, I mean, a couple, a few dozen deer in my life and not that many bucks, but I've killed some pretty good bucks and I've never entered a buck once. Yeah, no, it, it's not, you know, it's some people, and, and it's different. I think now with this younger generation, you know, the more we get, kids into it i think they would be more willing to but we're still in that kind of phase where people like you know those old heads they're they're not big on social media they may not be you know they may not be doing what we're doing or you know it's like where they're they don't want to be known yeah not saying that we want to be known but like damn if i kill like one of these giants it would be pretty interesting i don't most deer not i'd say 99 percent of the deer i'm never going to to do that unless i generally think like that's a state record deer and it would be more to be curious on what the size of that deer is you know what i mean Mm -hmm. Um, and but yeah that that's kind of what i'm chasing you know there's probably there's definitely some deer that are bigger if my number one hit list buck from last year survived he's definitely bigger than that um what your guys is like would you say since you've hunt quite a bit of public you guys got private pieces you've been doing it for quite a few years and know a lot of people in new jersey that are doing it like what do you think your mature like age class is that's like it's semi easy to get it done i wouldn't say it's easy like you have to put in the work but like obviously you're not no iowa with it they have 10 year old bucks running around semi often you know yeah no i killed a three and a half year old last year and he he was pretty you do get like i said if i'm in my antler restriction zone it's a little you get a chance at a you get a crack at a much more mature deer like i know there's there's one deer that i named muley and he looks exactly like a mule deer no no tines no nothing and he's a big boy um and he's i think this will be my third year encountering him so i think he's at least four and a half five years old um, okay. you know, then there's Kong, my number one deer, and, and he's he's a monster, he's a 10 pointer. Um, this will be my if he's still alive, if I find him, this will be my fourth, I think, fourth year. I think I've seen I've seen him before. Um, I think that he's probably like a five and a half, six, six and a half year old deer. Um, which is a shooter just about anywhere for just about anybody, yeah, for, yeah. You know. and, that's what that's what um you know I talked to a bunch of people and they said you know that's that's a shooter almost anywhere you really go, um, but he he's a tank and he's a beast but it, it's hard to say because then I go down the road and you know I killed this um, little six pointer uh, three three years ago I think now two or three years ago and that's a mature that's a mature deer right there and he was probably i don't even, i wouldn't even, he was nowhere close to being the size or maturity of any of these other deer but because of that zone you don't get that frequently of that size of a deer that's a mature deer so you have it, it, it all it all depends you know you can go up up north and and higher north and it's the same thing or you can go down south and you really got a key on if it's an antler in my opinion an antler restriction it's restricted zone or you can just shoot a spike if it walks out because i do in my opinion it pays a difference and swamps too swamps are a huge difference here we have a lot of swamps um a lot of people don't like to get in those swamps you know no, definitely not where i killed my kentucky buck last year was in a swamp property and Right when it gets thick and starts getting a little more swampy area, I've never seen anybody back there ever. Yep. Your your average your average hunter is not going to do that. Your average hunter is probably I don't even think walking five hundred yards. No. From what I've seen last year in Kentucky, like they're not going far. No, they're they're not. Which you know, don't get me wrong. I I've seen some people kill some giants, literally like two hundred fifty yards from a parking lot. Yeah. Right. And I do have some spots where I honestly love to find because, you know, states are there's a lot of landlocked states. So I will drive and I'm like, hmm, you know what? That looks like a good spot. I'll pull off on the side street, walk myself across into state land. And there you go. I'll scout it out. And usually and that's that's, you know, one of my big my biggest buck is is there, you know, and a few of my big boys are that's where they are. You know, and they get pushed up from um, pheasant hunters. They get pushed up from gun hunters. 
and the people can't, you know, no one really hunts there. You know, so far that I've been there, I, I've been pretty lucky where no one has really thought like, you know, let me just pull off right here because they see the houses and that's a red flag to them. Yep. That buck I killed last year, I named him Seabiscuit when I first got that first uh, velvet video of him. And uh, we actually jumped him up. I can't remember what day it was. It was like September 6th or 7th, like day three of our uh it's not rutcation, Septembercation for opening week there in early season. And we jumped up that buck. I ended up shooting in November that first, uh, like I said, the three days. And he was only, as the crow flies, 150, 200 yards from the parking lot. Yep. Yep. It, it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful thing. It, it really is because, you know, whether you're two miles in or you're literally 200 yards from the park, parking lot, you never know, you know, and that's why. You know, I love the the phrase, the catchphrase that that we have and the the saying that we have, you know, we're chasing the unknown because you have no idea what you're going to come across into the deer woods or while you're fishing or anything like that. Yeah, that's my favorite thing about white to hunt, man. If you look at a lot of these like world record bucks, like even the Huff buck and then that other buck shot in Illinois, I can't think what what the name was. He's like 300 inch plus buck. It's usually uh, guys going into like a first, like a spot for the first time randomly. And it's usually like uh, not your super diehard guys that end up killing these bucks. Like I know that world record buck, they had this buck on camera like a mile or two miles away. And then this uh, guy, he only been hunting for maybe a year, a couple years, bow hunting. They set him, him up in a farm they hadn't been to in years and years. And he couldn't find the stand. He was like walking around looking for the stand, ends up getting in it. And that buck walks right over his track and he shoots like, hey, I'm pretty sure it is the world record like a all-around world record in america jeez i've i've heard the story but i love it because that's exactly how that's how it is like you know i i got like i said i i got this guy who's you know um, i'm kind of like showing the ropes and he was like yeah what what do you think my odds are and i go listen I, i i go do i think you're gonna kill something yes do i think you're gonna kill a giant no, but, and I said a big, but I said, but that's hunting. And I like, you never know. So I wouldn't be like, I, if you said, you call me up and say, dude, I just killed, I just smoked a giant. Would I be shocked? Probably not. I'd be like, okay, I'm coming up right now. Like I am, even if I have to leave work, like I'm leaving work, you know, cause you, you just have no idea. You know, I never want to say someone is not going to do something because at the end of the day, a 200 inch deer in New Jersey, which there probably is somewhere in one of those swamps. Oh yeah. I bet. I bet there's more, there's, there's a few in every state. I'd say like some states obviously have more like your Iowa's and Kansas, but I truly believe there's multiple 200 in every single state. Yeah. Especially, you know, you go up to Delaware by the Delaware water gap. That's all the way up in North Jersey. It's no man's land. I mean, it's the middle of nowhere. It is fun hunting. It's tough hunting. Um, a lot of mountains, a lot of spots where you it's difficult to get into, cell service and everything like that kind of gets spotty. I, I put my money on a, a big 200-inch deer being somewhere up there. Yeah, if it's like Indiana here, we got a, a boatload of public land. We got to have some of the most, like, I'd honestly say, like, in the Midwest, we just got thousands upon thousands of acres. And I was talking to somebody a couple of days ago, and I can't remember who it was. But uh, we were talking, there's probably big bucks out there that have never seen a human. That's how, like, much public land there is and how, like, remote it is, you know. Yeah, no, I, I believe it. You know, and it's it's crazy to think because, you know, you look at our country and everything like that, and it's like, it, there's just so many people. And, you know, it, it, it's getting harder and harder and, and less likely with, you know, more forests taken away and more less hunting land that there there's available but you know it's a it's an unfortunate thing and hopefully we can get a stop to to it so we can preserve what we got yep exactly and like big bucks don't get seen for a reason man that's why like every year even if you look at your county like there's a lot of big bucks that die but when you're just driving around on average I'm, i'm driving back roads every single day at work and it's pretty rare for me to see a booner but i know in this 10 square mile i'm at there's multiple booners so they stay hidden for a reason and uh that's why they get big man the the dumb ones get shot yep 100 100 <laughs> it's true but uh so what's your season looking like, man? I know you're busy. We're all busy, especially it seems like this time of year right before season gets here, it's just extra ramped up and busy. But uh, so from like now on leading into season, what's, what's going on for you? So a few things. 
this weekend. Yeah, I, I just got home from the beach. I have to give, you know, the girlfriend and everything like that some of the time because she knows what's about to happen. Yep. Um, I'm about to be very limited. She gets, you know, she'll have her birthday. Her birthday <laughs> over. We unfortunately have to go to the wedding the second week into season. Um, and then, you know, like Halloween's the big thing for her. But besides that, it's all hunting. So, you know, I'll, I'll actually start really of the most important thing. And one of the scariest things that just happened was I noticed that my servings on my bow are started to separate. Really? Strings are perfectly fine. Um, but what we did is we just ordered new ones. Um, it's on back order. So it's going to be a month. But the guy said that he thinks that the bow is going to go for a whole year. We ordered new strings. Gosh forbid if it doesn't. I'm not taking that chance. So I'd be able to get the strings. I'll hunt for the first month or first two weeks, you know, with my old ones. Um, and then when he gets some, I'm going to bring it over. He's going to he's gonna do it. And then I'm going to go hit the range and make sure everything's good, everything like that. And then I'll be back. So, but it, it was too much of a risk. Um, this bow's a year old. I do shoot a lot, but like I said, I inspect my strings. I inspect everything like constantly and nothing jumped out at me where I was like, all right, I need to do this. It was the last time I shot last week. Um, and we're at the, the show at an event the next day and I brought out my bow and I was like, what the hell is that? And I was like, no. And I was panicking for like the whole day. Cause I was like, Oh my God, like, what if everything's, you know, everything's on back order? What if I can't use this bow? Like, I do have a backup, my old bow, but, like, you know, I haven't shot with that in a while and everything like that. So, like, everything is going through your head. Um, but it's all good. He says that, you know, it should last through the whole entire year, but let's let's put the new ones on just to make sure, you know, you don't you don't want something happening during the rut when it's, <laughs> you know, you, you, don't, you, you don't want that to happen. So that's the first thing. Um, second thing is this weekend, I will be setting up for our bear hunt in October. Um, that's one on top of one of the goals that I was talking about, but you know, the, the thing that we do on podcasting, it's you say, you talk about one thing and then it leads to like 10 other things. Uh, oh, yeah. so I, I killed my first bear last year with a gun. Cause, uh, that was the only thing that we could do last year. Um, this year I want a bear with my bow. And it's got to be like a, a decently sized bear. You know, I'm really looking for a at least minimum 175, maybe yeah, 150, you know, a 115 uh -huh. plus, you know. Um, I love bear. I love bear meat. Huge, huge fan of it. Um, love the love the fur and everything like that. So I love everything about bears. Um, so you guys get like big bears. You guys get like 350, 400 plus. Oh man, do you do we ever? Really, we get some giants, and you got to remember, we oh, well, not remember because you you wouldn't really know. You just you know, but we weren't able to hunt them for the last three and a half years. I think last year was yeah. the first year in like three years, you know, and on state land during the four year, the first four year of Murphy's turn, our governor he banned it on public land two years in so the so we could only hunt them on private which was another big reason of why i started hunting private with the way i mm -hmm. um so there's state land that hasn't been hunted in you know for the first time last year like i probably i would say like six six years wow, I, yeah. I i i believe no, don't quote me on that but it's been a while maybe four years since um four years since um we were able to hunt on state land yeah um and then the rest of the work is really <clears throat> just making everything set you know ordering the rest of the gear that i need to do you know climbing up shooting out of a saddle shooting out of the elevated uh stand doing whatever making sure all my hang-on stands are good to go and everything's good with those um and then just you know freshening up some some spots and I've done most of the work. So right now it's kind of like just sit back, go through the Intel, get the game plan going, you know, um, last minute, small type of things. Yep. So like, dude, I'm, you've seen me, we talk all the time. I've been busy 
pretty pretty darn busy this summer just getting my uh, property ready and i'm still not ready man i haven't done i haven't done a hey. bunch like the food plots for me personally they just take so much time c- compared to everything just doing food plots yeah 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 I, you're constantly doing the food plots and like i am very excited to when we do get our own property and we're, we're able to do that um like that is going to be a whole and i think we talked about it on on my podcast um it's a whole different avenue and a different type of accomplishment and you know it's a different type of drive and everything like that when you get to kind of create everything basically yourself um, yep. but like the watering hole i we you know we've been talking a while and i've t- like the last time we were talking like that's the one thing like i said i was going to do and i've been saying i'm gonna do a watering hole for the last couple of years but you just run out of time like yes. you, you because yet again at the end of the day we're still working a full-time job. Yep, exactly. For like, there's a lot of podcasts out there. That's what they do for a living, man. But I'm typically like today we got off early because it's miserably hot. But I'm usually working 45, 50 hours a week, and then doing the podcast. And you know how much time that takes. Yep. And doing social media, it really is like another job. It it, it is. You know, it it's a it's a fun job. Um, yep fun i love it like you know i'm looking right here and you know i have your podcast i have archery strong i have you know all these old chris from only bows and mountain man like all these episodes and still episodes i still need to do but then you got i gotta do the cover art i gotta edit it you know yeah. it, it's there's just not enough time to do all that plus you know make our instagram posts that we have to do too edit those videos you know things like that Work. And then you got our, our, our real lives, man. Like you're talking about your girlfriend. Like it's, yep. I learned the hard way. Like me, I, I've got out of relationships and stuff because I'm not purely on it, but it definitely didn't help. I was just focusing so much time on the podcast. Yep. I, I'd get home from work legit three, four hours most days. Yeah. No, at I, least, at least that long, you know. So and, you got to make sure you, you, you get your personal stuff done too, or you'll get burnt out. Cause I went through a phase, man. I was doing just so much and I got burnt out. So I had to take a couple week break. Same, same. Listen, same here. I, I, I tried to give myself during the summer. That's why we went to the beach. It's two reasons, you know. She does so much for me, and she tolerates really so much. Like I, the obsession with hunting and what we do is unreal. It's kind of all we think about. We spend so much freaking money on it, you know. Mm-hmm. But you know, she, I knew she wanted to do this. Like I couldn't have said no. Like there's, I could have gone, you know. And and today we were going to do something anyway. Like today was going to be her day and where we did stuff. But like I could have gone out into the woods and stuff like that and, and all these things. But, you know, I, I didn't. But it's also I get burnt out because I also like to, you know, work out and I try to keep not work out. Like I'm not a gym head, but I try to stay in shape, especially for the season. Like I, I hike a lot. I walk a lot. I, I run a lot. You know, I do some lifting, nothing crazy. I'm not freaking jacked out of my mind where I got to be in the gym for two to three hours, but you know, something where I'm feeling good, I can still do what I need to do in the woods. And, you know, you, you just, you get tired, you know, you're honestly, I started, you know, I'm 30, you know, I know you're right behind me, but eating, I don't eat well now, you know, I am sluggish and it burns me out too, where then, you know what, it's hard for, it's harder for me to work. Or when I get off of work, do I really want to sit here and do the podcast? Do I really want (laughs) to do that? Like, it's a lack of motivation. So like hunting makes me tie into everything, but you need a break from it. You need a break from the grind. You know, you do need to sit back and kind of just like, all right, today I'm not doing anything like I'm done or today I'm going to do the bare minimum or something like that. I'm going to take a me day and, you know, charge the batteries because the toughest part of the season, you know, the, the, I don't want to say toughest because because we talked about this how right now we're just doing so much work and the best part is we're just going to be hunting but mentally I think the hunting season is just is exhausting and it's a different type of grind because it's a lot of it's mental oh yeah 100% last year was the most I ever hunted that mental got me by the like uh, time like December got here I was like dude I don't even honestly want to be out here anymore I was like I'm burnt out it gets like that. Um, I was very lucky that, you know, we got a guy and um, Justin, who's a huge turkey and waterfowl guy, but he got me into waterfowl. And I turned a lot of my, my late season into let's go kill some 
kill some waterfowl like and i had an absolute blast doing that and i can't wait for that because it's a nice break it really mm-hmm. is because you know the whitetail woods it knocks you on your ass and it spits and it chews and spits you up and you know you do have to be tough to to do the grind yeah and and for me the reason i got burnt out it's like i'm not sitting on an old Iowa where i'm seeing 60 deer a day like i was seeing deer almost every sit no matter where i was at but I wasn't seeing what I was after, you know, and after you're hunting public land, walking in a mile, hanging up, you're setting up in the, in the dark and you only see a couple does. You don't see a shooter the whole year. Like I didn't tag out in Indiana. I probably passed 15 different bucks last year, mm-hmm. but it was just nothing that I was, I was going after. But uh, yeah, you definitely got to take a break. And like, for me personally, like I, had, I wouldn't say it's two lifestyles, but if you follow my personal account, you follow the white tail bloodline. The Gemini, Gemini in me definitely comes out. They say that's kind of the twins, and I look like two different people because my like personal life, none of those friends hunt. I got a few, you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm like my, my old life before I got real diehard about whitetail bloodline. So I was like kind of pushing them off when I was focusing on it so much. And this weekend I went and saw a bunch of them, had a friend baby shower, and went and saw some buddies for their birthday. And that's good for me, man, just getting that little mental boost to see all those people. And it kind of changes because I'm just focusing on whitetail so much. And then I got, like, my whitetail side with the whitetail bloodline. And it's my friends like you guys. It's it's more friends that I don't know. Like, I got yeah. some, some buddies that I, I, I do know. Like, I went over to Parker's house. I've known him forever. Good hunting buddy. He's diehard. But uh, just the people around here that I know personally that hunt only know, like, a handful, maybe half a dozen that are actually diehard, you know. So, that's uh, – that's why I just think it's important, man, to make sure you, you get that personal life too, or you'll get burnt out or just, just make sure you're doing it for the right reasons as well. You know, I, I agree with you. And, you know, I, I, I preach on the same thing because you know, where I come from there, it, this hunting and fishing is not it. And it would be more fishing than, than anything, but, um, I, I love my friends. I love what I got. Um, but there's a time where I, I'm not, you know, I'm not talking to them a lot because I'm talking to you guys more. You know, and wait till you see, because we're going to be running a bunch of shows and I hopefully you're able to come. Wait till you see how many guys are actually like, you'd be so surprised at our tri-state area that are so like diehard. But the cool thing is like, you got Jersey, you got, you know, New York or Long Island, you know, then you got PA and can it like, these are states that are there. You can get to pretty quickly, hour to two hours most on, on most of these spots. So like, People, you know, it's a lot easier for us to meet up, I I would say, Mm -hmm. or hunt together. So it's pretty great. But, you know, one of my good buddies, Kyle, he lives in South Jersey. I met him for the first time this year at at our event. And I've been talking to him, I think, for the last, like, like five years. Yep. And it, it is weird, man. Just like the hunting culture. Like, you can talk to other people. Like, I don't really ever talk to randos on, like, my normal personal account. It's just different. But it's just weird how easy of a connection and, like, how much you feel like you're friends with people that you've never met. And then when you do meet them, it's, like, not weird. It's not that, like, hey, we're meeting right. for the first time. It's kind of just, like, hey, we've already done this, you know. I I couldn't agree more. Like, I don't – yeah, I don't answer random people. But when you're running a page, you know, and you know, you're doing the podcast and people are always going to have questions. People, you know, are going to watch, I got people and I, I love this. And it's one of my favorite things is people hit me up to come on the podcast. Yep, yep, I, like that too. I love that because, you know, I can't get to everybody, you know, and it's, I'm not going to see everybody's page. You know, every year I drop down, I look for new people to get that, get on and I'll write it on the list then I will look at the same list of people that I've had on like, okay, I need to prioritize this person has to come on because they haven't been on since the first year, you know? Yeah. And then I go, okay, here are my people that I normally get on. I need them to come on as well. And, and things like that. But it makes it so much easier when people just DM me and it's usually it's, it's no one big. And that's what I want. I want those unknown people. I want those people that have 50 followers, but guess what? They're probably a way better hunter than some of these guys that are making, you know, gosh knows what on in money and, you know, hunting all these private spots and everything like that and not knocking those guys. But, you know, it's, it's the, the little guy that, that you wouldn't normally hear to get their, mm-hmm. their, and their story out there because you know what? They got some hell of a stories to, to share. Yep, I agree with that for sure. Like, I've had some pretty big names on, 
then I've had your average Joe Blow like you're just talking about. And uh, I think it's important to have podcasts like that. It just makes you more relatable because everybody wants to hear from these guys that are tried and true, been getting it done for years. And most of them, there's a reason they're a name in the outdoor industry. But it is cool getting your average guy because they just look at things different. Everybody looks at things different. Like when we did that group podcast on yours with all of us, it was like I brought up the maple leaves thing, having that sugar content once they start falling and turn it orange and that's just like one thing most people haven't heard of and i only heard of that because i listened to another podcast and then after hearing that i started putting trail cameras around the maples when they were falling and then just hunting and then you just pick up on things and that's the coolest thing man it's just like the little tips you could get one little tip like that maple uh leaf thing and that could kill you a buck it's just like you never know and that's like, like we were talking about earlier just always staying learning i i love that like when when you said i think everybody in that chat was just like what like yeah yeah and it you know it's something that now i guarantee you i would say probably everyone in the chat is going to pay attention to and you know people who do listen to that episode they're gonna pay attention to that yeah because i used to be like right when i started my podcast and i I just wasn't as busy with life like i'm just doing so much now work blah 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 i was listening to a lot people's podcasts and stuff and uh, i learned so much from podcasts and then the difference for me and i'm not even saying from a lot of people but a good amount of people is i don't just take anybody's word for like tried and true you know what i mean i like listen to it i'm like okay i could see that being true and then i start like testing it like the water hole thing i get people commenting like uh, a for effort brother but uh kitty pool never worked you need to do blah 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 i was like well you can go back four reels and see a good three and a half four year old eight point drinking out of it and then he unfollows me like people are just funny just like yeah. people don't try stuff they they just assume things don't work and uh, it might not work where you live but uh, i don't live where you live you know so i'm a I'm big believer in testing stuff out like i've messed up so many times in my life but that's why i got the knowledge i i do is because i've tested and done so many dumb things in my life yeah i i 100 listen you could be in, like I said, I could be down the road in a different spot. And just because it works on one spot doesn't mean it's going to work in another spot. Deer are different. You know, there, there's a lot of things that are similar, but there are certain things that deer just do have different behaviors than, than other, than other deer, you know, when their environment and what they're going through is just completely different in one spot than it is in another. Yep. And the, the thing for me is don't get me wrong. Whitetail is almost, they're not a hundred percent my, like, focus but huge part but i'm also like I'm, I'm managing the whole wildlife i care about the rabbits and stuff and i put that new water hole out and i've put a through a few of them probably i think the first one i put out was probably five six years ago where it was like an actual container we've dug stuff when i was a kid like when i was a kid me and my buddy mitch watkins if you're listening to this mitch in virginia we used to try so much dumb stuff bro we were a kid like building stands with wood yeah. but uh with that new kitty pool it hasn't been out long but uh, i noticed i got a cell camera on it big old black snake crawled yeah. up yep. was, was drinking out of it crows bunch of buzzards raccoons possums birds like everything's drinking out of it so far other than deer one reason i just haven't been seeing a whole lot of deer is we got soybean field that got put in late and it's starting to be that perfect level where they're going to start eating it but it's just it's not all about the deer don't get me wrong i would rather deer drink out of it more than anything but uh obviously it's working because every day there's other animals that are not deer drinking out of it you know yep 100 percent agree with that so um yeah man um i'm excited to see what you guys are doing this year you guys those bucks when i was watching that live got me fired up beautiful bucks man that one tall one i'm a i'm a sucker for a tall and tight it was both both the two big boys were actually just hit my camera like maybe like an hour and a half ago um so and they're usually together those two are usually together i mean i know it's going to change once they get hard horned and you know things start um once we get closer to the season uh to to the rut you know but hopefully we got one or two of those boys on the ground yep and things shift too man white tails are different they do different things they their shed cycles are a little different and i haven't been getting any of these bucks on camera and i was getting them daily until past like four days and i was talking to one of my buddies he's he's a diehard and and he was telling me he's like yeah they're they're starting to get a little hard horn now they're starting to disappear on my cameras and stuff too so you got to think about that like some bucks will start shedding here at in the end of uh, August, some don't shed until more of the middle of September as well. But right when those bucks start shedding that velvet, it, it changes. There's a testosterone boost or a testosterone change in them. And uh, they go from being buddy-buddy to, yeah, you better get out of my territory real quick. There, there's also, you know, once those things are hardened, it's no more playing. You know, there's no playing around because it hurts them. 
you know, throughout this whole entire summer, you know, that's why a big part of their, they're in open fields and stuff and move a lot during daylight, you know, is because damn, when they whack something with their antlers, it does not feel nice. Nope. So exactly. It's like you having a scab on like a fresh scab kind of, you bump. Oh, yep. <laughs> once, once everything is all, then it's like, all right, let's see what those, these bad boys can do. Let's, uh, <laughs> The, the, these these bucks, we, we got to show them that this is my territory, you know, that that's what the dominant buck is, is showing, you know, this is my territory at the end of the day, and you're gonna, you know, you're gonna understand that, you know, and, you know, maybe, a, and you never know, maybe a bigger one is gonna come, is gonna come a knocking at some point, but, you know, it, it, it's gonna be a whirlwind soon, everything is about to start hitting off, and leaves are going to start changing and it's just that fresh cool crisp air morning and i'm excited yep i always notice every single year i put a bunch of trail cameras out and stuff and that that middle of september time frame so when i start getting bucks like fighting man i've heard people i've even tried it like early season like early october i, I tried it in kentucky last year my first year hunting that early early season and dude i've had trail camera videos of bucks like fight like it's november 14th man on that like middle of september frame when they're kind of getting that testosterone like seeing who's the baddest man in town and that's when they start rubbing making scrapes they'll start pulling the ground quite a bit more even in that uh that middle of september leading into october so it's it's coming man it's going to be here before we know it and one thing i kind of want to know i'm always curious about cuz everybody's different is like if you had to pick what type of whitetail hunter are you and like what kind of things you focus on we're all changing year to year but like what would you be like me i'm honestly a funnel guy and i hunt does a lot for hunting does four bucks you know that's a good question um you know i i really do like the thick stuff um you know like i told you before you know, swamps those, those thick nastiness where you're on your hands and knees and thorn bushes and you're getting cut up um and then I have usually keyed on does, but because of, you know, certain things, I now have a lot more bucks than does. So ridges, I love ridges. If I can find a ridge, I am usually keying on that ridge and now going down to, you know, our, the property that we're at, there, there really is no ridges like, like I'm used to. So it's going to be a whole new thing. So, you know, uh, um, I'm also a, not a cautious, a conservative hunter. I do get aggressive when I need to, but you know, I like to play the analytics a lot too. Like I'm a big analytic guy, you know, I I go over things like and play scenarios out and I'm going to get aggressive. If I got a percentage of, I'm probably going to kill this deer. Like there's got to be like a good 90% chance that I'm going to kill this giant. Um, That's when I get aggressive. Yeah, every year I get a little more analytical and uh, I think a little deeper, but I'm I'm pretty aggressive, man. Like when we hit that rutcation for the first day last year, didn't know there was a time change our first day. So we're driving there and it's already getting light. We're like, dude, what is going on? And then it hits us like, dude, there's a time change. So we get there late. I was like, I've scouted this property many times. There's one part I haven't been to because it was so thick. And uh, the difference from me going in there like September and then I got in there in November, it was like blew my mind how like all the weeds were gone. You could actually see and walk through stuff. So I was like, we're going to walk right through this giant bedding area. Uh, CRP is like, dude, are you sure? I'm like, yeah, we got to go see what's over there. I was like, I know there's going to be some good road activity. And we do that, jumped up a buck right when we got out of it, set up on him that night, had him at 35 yards. So like I'm, I'm, I'm the same way. It's just sometimes I'll just go aggressive on and, Honestly, the best way I think I can put it is I'm a big believer in following your gut. If I get a gut feeling to do anything, I do it. And it's worked in my favor a lot. When I was younger and more less experienced, I I butchered shots, rushing shots, buck fever, yeah. blah, blah, blah. But many times when I was young, sitting in the stand, getting cold, I'm like, dude, go get down. Go walk in that field. Walk in that field, buck, I've seen all year. Like, there's just something about following your intuition and following that gut. Yeah, I, I, I definitely agree. There's been a lot of times where I've gotten down because the action is dull. And I've done the same thing, gone into that field and kicked up the action. And you know what? Put on the spot and stalk as I can. I I do love it. And the one goal that I'm working on this year is getting more aggressive, you know, and and doing that, you know, especially, you know, being with Andrew and, you know, him talking time of his style of getting into that bed, bumping a deer out and setting up, just like you were just talking about, you know, it's paid off for him. And that's something I, I do am going to try to do 
especially during that during that rut time of the year. Yep, I agree with that. So uh, we're going on about an hour. If if there's like one thing that uh, you've been thinking about recently or something that crosses your mind, like uh, I don't know if anything will cross your mind, but I always like kind of just getting some people's thoughts on just something random that you've been like uh, thinking about or even something you're you're passionate about this year and like hunting wise, you know. Oh man, I mean there there there's probably so many things, you know. Oh yeah. To to really come down to one, um, let me let me think. You know, caught you on the spot on that one. Yeah, because and it's crazy because now I'm on the other end of it because I do it so many times. <laughs> yeah. podcasts. This is this is how they this is how they feel. Um, you know what? You, that oh, that study that did you see the study that came out in out of PA about the deer movement and everything like that? I, I I saw all of it. I didn't pay. I haven't seen it like studied it super hard. But yeah, I know what you're talking about. That that is that to me piqued my interest because I have noticed during, especially during the run, in the in the, um, if we're hunting a spot that you're trying to rush in and you're trying to beat the time and get up there before you know it's light. Sometimes it, you don't have to do that. And one of my buddies told me, he goes, what he'll do, especially if it's a far hike in, he will wait to go in right at gray light and he'll walk like here. So he'll take three steps and then stop and listen. He'll wait a little bit, then take maybe seven stops. He'll, and he does odd, odd steps because usually deer, a lot of times deer are taking on steps. And he will sit there and wait and he'll slowly work himself in into a spot and whether he needs a spot and stock a deer from the, from that matter or it takes him maybe an hour he gets in and a lot of activity will pop off in my in my opinion between that 10 and and 12 o'clock where you're really getting that mid-afternoon where a lot of deer are are up and at them and moving a lot of those bigger bucks are moving you know usually later in in that in that afternoon Yep, I actually started doing that on public last year. I used to go in the spot the first few times I went in there at dark, and I don't know what it was about this spot, but I could never find the tree I was looking for. So I started going in, like I'd leave the truck, like when you could just barely start seeing, and it was about a half a mile to that spot. And by the time I got there, you could see pretty well, and one reason I started learning that after hunting and having a trail camera there, those deer were going by between 8 and 8.30 every day. Like when they were going through there, it was just that the most perfect like food to bed transition I've ever seen. And I started doing that just because I was sitting there for two hours and not seeing nothing. So I started walking in a little later, getting set up. And then I was only in there for 45 minutes, maybe an hour. Then deer would come through at that time, you know, and that's that spot where dude, that one day it was like late rut. I, I it was like the one shooter that I saw that I was going to shoot. And, but it was like eight, six or eight other little two year old, maybe one, three year old bucks with him too. But yeah, dude, certain spots, man, I, I believe sure that lose you Mike can you hear me hey, last story I, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll say is um, two years ago I had a spot no movement up until noon. All the movement was from noon and after, and big bucks are crazy. And, I, you know, there's a few days where I was hunting it, and I would hunt it all morning, and I was like, damn, not a thing. So, I, you know, I'd get down, whatever. I'd go to work or do what I have to do. And then what would, you, what would happen is bucks would start traveling, deer would start traveling during during um, the afternoon. So I started hunting in the afternoon where I was like, you know, why am I going to wake up this early? If there, there's, there's nothing there. As long as the wind's good, I can go in at 10, 10 a.m. Mm-hmm. That's why I did. Started walking in at 10 a.m. And, you know, I had some great, great encounters with some deer. I was able to clo- close the deal, but, you know, it, it was a whirlwind, but it was something that I keyed on. Like, I was thought, regardless of just get in there super early, sit and wait, and, you know, eventually they'll come. But you know what? I, I didn't need to to kill myself with sleep because they weren't moving until till later in the afternoon anyway. 
Yep, and I think that goes correlates a lot with a lot of public land too, because your average public land guy's leaving at nine or nine thirty, ten o'clock. You know, and those those deer start to learn then. They're like, Hey, let's yep. wait till they leave and we'll get our movement in when nobody's here. You know? Yep, yep. And that and it, it was a public land spot. And you know, it's a spot that's on a ridge that there were probably a lot of people hunting down that bottom. But no one can get up. It's so thick that people can't hike up. And the way that you would get onto the other side is you would have to pull over on a random street and just just walk over because it's all landlocked, basically. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, man, I appreciate you. I'm definitely gonna get you guys on here. We we're gonna definitely get you boys on. We've been all talking a whole lot. Like season's gonna get here. That's what I'm excited about. Like one thing I started doing last year was kind of like a rut report, but uh, with so many people I'm talking to now in all these early seasons, I'm gonna probably start that like probably mid-September just because there'll be quite a few states open and I'm just gonna call guys throughout the country and uh, talk to them for 5, 10, 15 minutes each and just see what the deer movement is see what's on your trail cameras and uh, what you expect in the next couple days so I'm definitely gonna be calling you boys and uh, luckily there's a bunch of so I can get you guys most weeks and just split it up between you but definitely definitely looking forward to it very excited Yes, sir. So, uh, if anything else you want to do? Some last thoughts, and uh, like, where can people find you or find out what you guys are doing? Um, so, you can uh, find us out on Instagram, Boondocks Hunting, um, and then through there you can find out basically everything that we do. If not, um, the, the podcast is the Garden State Outdoors and Podcast, uh, and that that's a big thing. So, any platform, just search it up. We are on all all platforms of podcast. Yep. Yep. And I love it, man. I've just started listening to your podcast uh, after I've been talking to you. I really enjoy it. You're a great host. That's why I was excited to have you on. And uh, yeah, man, it was, it was just nice having another podcaster on your podcast host on just because uh, I'm, I was just busy day worn out, man. Got off work, went to help my buddy. Like I said, so uh, I did a I whole write up and I just, it. I just knew me and you could BS. So, Hell yeah. No, I definitely appreciate it. And one more thing we have, we've been working on something, me, Andrew and Justin. Um, it hopefully will be getting announced soon. I don't know if it'll be announced yet when this episode releases or not, but we have been working on something um, pretty special to us and something big where, you know, it, it, it's going to hopefully do, do well. And, you know, you'll, you'll get a lot of, you guys will get a lot of content out of it and stuff like that. But we, we are working on something right now. Awesome, and this will drop tomorrow morning. So, oh snap! All right, so we'll not so look forward to that, everyone. We uh, we'll be making an announcement soon, um, definitely. Yes, sir, man. I'm excited. Love what you guys are doing, and uh, the cool thing about social media is, man, you just you get better with time with with everything. Like from your day one when you started your podcast, I bet it's night and day difference. I know it is with me. Oh yeah. <laughs> It's crazy the difference. Like I, I went back and I listened to one of my beginning episodes. And I was like, "Geez, this is cringy." <laughs> yeah, dude. One thing it's funny, like our first intro, like "Welcome to the Bloodline" or something like that. I accidentally put the whole song of uh, what song was it? Now I'm going blank. It was Ted and uh, Fred Bear. That whole song plays right when you start my podcast. Like the whole like ten minutes. This song's yeah, yeah. so long. It was just like still learn how to do it. And I thought it was only gonna be like fifteen seconds of it. So it's just it's just funny how things go and uh we just get better, man. Definitely, definitely can't can't yeah, it's it's insane with you. I like I love less I love I listened to that new one the new one that you had too as well and it's it's all great stuff, you know, and you know it's exciting to see what the future has in store because, you know, like you said, we, we've been basically doing it for the same amount of time and to see where we've come from now to, well, then and now what, you know, what's next couple of years going to look like, you know, it, it's exciting stuff and I can't wait to see what, what you got going on. Yeah. I appreciate that, man. I love what you're doing as well. Appreciate the kind words. Uh, we'll stay in touch like we always do and uh, definitely check them out guys. I appreciate you guys listening to this episode. It was a fun one. And uh, until next time, man, hopefully we lay down some slammers this year. Oh, yeah, man. Can't wait. All right, brother. Have a good rest of your night. You too.